0: Matthew chapter 6. I want to read verses 9 through 13 and then pray. Jesus is speaking. Pray then like this Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Let's pray together. Our Father, please please make your word come alive to us this morning. We believe that your word is alive and it is powerful and that it's sharper than any two-edged sword and that it could pierce to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and it has this the supernatural ability to lay bare our very thoughts and, and intentions because all things are naked and open unto your eyes to whom we will give an account so i pray that there would not be one ounce of resistance to your word not one rebel heart not one unmelted will but that we would all stand obedient and responsive to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've begun this series on the Lord's Prayer. Last Sunday, I told you that the prayer is divided into two parts. There are six petitions, three petitions in the first part, and three petitions in the second part. And you can see this very clearly, the difference in the kinds of petitions that there are. The first three petitions have a God orientation to them. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And then the second three petitions, the second half of the Lord's Prayer, have to do with our needs. Now, I would want to be careful that I don't give you the impression that somehow we're trying to divide between God's needs and our needs. It's like if you're a parent, you know how to make things really fair for your kids. You have two kids, one cookie, you take the cookie and you divide it as evenly as you can down the middle so that one kid gets one half and another kid gets the other half. And I don't want us to think that in this prayer, it's like, okay, God gets one half of this and then we get the other half. I'm going to give God these these three God-oriented petitions and then I'm going to give me these three more self petitions oriented petitions. That's not it at all. In fact, I want us to think of the structure of this prayer like this. The first three petitions that are the God-oriented uh, petitions is like the destination on a journey. That's where we're going and that's where we want to be. And then the second three petitions is how we're going to get there. They're related, you see. Like, If we want to, to hallow God's name, if we want to treat God's name is holy. We ourselves must be holy. And we've sinned, and so we ask God to forgive us of our sins so that we can hallow God's name. If we want God's kingdom to come, well, it's going to take some some energy on our part. It's going to take some activity. We need daily bread. We need daily provision. If we want God's will to be done, we realize that we tend to great God's will. We tend to disobey God, and so we're saying, God, please don't lead me into temptation where I'll be tempted to disobey your will. You see how it's not just God's interest, okay, got that out of the way, and now here's my stuff. That's not it at all. It's seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. You see, the, the daily bread, the forgiveness, the lead us not into temptation, all of that is just how we get there it's how we hallow God's name. It's how His kingdom is furthered. It's how His will is done. And so the prayer is all God-centered. And the needs that we have are just the needs to be able to fulfill God's will, to further His kingdom, to treat His name as holy. And as you, I talked about last week, my aim for this series kind of emerges from a, a group of some truths that we discussed. And one of them is this, that prayer is central to the purpose for which we have been created. God created us to have a relationship with him, right? Adam, Eve in the Garden of Eden, he he talked with them and walked with them. And and what, what does a relationship require? A relationship requires communication. And what do we call communication with God? We call that prayer. So prayer is central to the purpose for which God has created us, to enjoy Him in a relationship with Him. But as we talked about last time, prayer is not easy. I get down on my knees, and suddenly a thousand other things distract me. The most trivial things become really urgent. Oh, i got to do this. I know I was praying, but this is really, really important. And we find our mind going off a thousand directions. This happens to me. Sometimes I have this great ambition to set a time to pray, and then I realize that instead of praying for like 10 or 15 minutes, I've just worried for 10 or 15 minutes. My prayer has just kind of devolved into anxiety. See, prayer is not, even though it's central to our purpose for existence, it's not easy. It's a battle. It's hard. When we pray, we're suddenly aware that we are in a battle. Prayer is central to the purpose for which we've been created. Prayer is a battle. And here's the third truth. That Again, I'm saying this series is emerging from these three truths, why we need this series. The third is this, is that if you can learn to pray well, you can learn to live well. And here's what I mean by this. If you can learn to take your crushed dreams, your wayward son, your loneliness, your sin, you take it all to God. You take it all to his throne of grace. If you could learn to take your your guilt and just bury it in the avalanche of God's boundless grace, you can live well. If you could do what the psalmists do when they take their despair and then they take their anger and they take their sense of frustration injustice, and justice they, and they take it all to God. If you can do that, then when you see Jesus face to face and he loosens your lisping stammering tongue, you'll find out that the conversation you have with Jesus is the same one you started with him here below. You'll find out that when you talk to Jesus face to face, realize that what you were struggling to do on your knees in in these shadows below, you'll get to do in in fullness and unhindered and unfettered by your sin and finite nature. If you could learn to pray well, you could learn to live well. My aim for the series is that our lives would be transformed as we learn to approach God with a broader vision, and higher joy, and deeper reverence. And so we come to the first petition, which is this, hallowed. That word hallowed means to treat as holy. You may be looking at a translation that says honor as holy or sanctify. Hallowed be your name. I was sharing with the men in prayer meeting this morning that I feel very inadequate to preach this sermon because it deals with really foundational stuff, the very character of God, His holiness. And furthermore, holiness is something that we don't think about very often. I mean, when I preached to you in anxiety several weeks ago, I mean, that resonates immediately. We, all, we know what anxiety is. We, 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 we struggle with that. If, if we were to preach on, on, on parenting or, or dating or, or any of these things that we encounter in life, that would just resonate with us. But, but holiness doesn't often come to our minds, and yet holiness just undergirds this whole prayer. Holiness is, is central to the character of God and to His purposes. And so I found myself feeling very inadequate to try to bring your minds and hearts engaged in something that, that throughout the week we don't often think about. I felt like, because I was studying what it means to sanctify and treat as holy the name of God, I felt like I was just beginning to dip my toes into the ocean. And realize I'm never going to explore it all. But at least I could start to get wet in it, right? I mean, at least we can start to, to wade in it. And so we come to this petition. So in this message, what I want to do is answer three questions. First of all, what is the name of the Lord? We're asking that God's name would be treated as holy. What do we mean by the name of God? And then secondly, what are we praying for when we pray that God's name would be treated as holy? And then third, what does it mean for us to treat God's name as holy? The Three questions. What is meant by God's name, what are we praying for when we pray that we would treat God's name as holy. And then how do we, how can we treat God's name as holy? So let's think about names. When you hear a person's name, it just automatically stirs up in you thoughts and feelings and emotions and sometimes actions. Maybe you're a young person here this morning and there's somebody in this room or maybe somebody not in this room and you kind of like that person. Maybe you feel like you're in love with that person. You're in conversation, that name is mentioned, automatically there's like something stirs up within you, like maybe even blush a little bit, like involuntarily, like without even thinking about it, that name just stirred something up in you. It happens. Let's do a little experiment here. I'm going to give you some names and you tell me if automatically they don't stir something up in you. Now, don't try to be the person that resists the experiment, like it's not going to stir up anything. Well, let's try this. What about... Boston Red Sox. (laughs) New York Yankees. (laughs) New England Patriots. Dallas Cowboys. Tom Brady. What is going on? I don't get that much feedback. (laughs) What about these? A little. Different category, Osama bin Laden, Adolf Hitler, more positive, Abraham Lincoln. I mean, just, just the mention of those names automatically stirred something in your heart. And some, for some of them, they even stirred something in your mouth, just to talk. Some of, you, some of the other names stirred something else in your mouth. <laughs> It's no wonder, as I thought about this, no wonder companies are so concerned to protect their name, brand identity. When you see that silhouette of an apple with one bite taken out of the side, that, that is the product of millions of dollars of investment so that people will think a certain thing when they see that logo. When you see those golden arches, I mean, that is the product of, of much uh, investment in that, that brand identity, that the protection and purity and promotion of that particular name so that when you see those golden arches, there's something that stirs up in you so that when you see the choice between Burger King and McDonald's, you drive toward McDonald's. That's what they, they hope to do. They're hoping to stir up in you a choice. So that when you're shopping for a computer and you're looking and trying to choose between like like a Lenovo and a a Mac, you choose the, the Apple computer because they have invested in their name because they're hoping that their name stirs up a response in you. Let me ask you a question. When you hear the name Jesus Christ, what response does that stir in your heart? When you hear the name of god does that stir in you in your heart a response that is fitting the name of god does it stir up in your heart something that is actually appropriate to the name of god that is the essence of this request we're praying that when god's name is given that when that at the name of of jesus christ our hearts and the hearts of everybody in the universe would be stirred up in such a way that's appropriate to how high and holy and exalted that name is. There is no other name that should stir up a similar, a remotely similar response in your heart than the name of God, and that's what it means to, to sanctify the name of God. I mean, it's in a separate category, and, and it is this foundational request. This is the first petition in the Lord's Prayer. Why is it the first? Because it is this concern for the holiness and and majesty and exaltation of God. It's this concern that undergirds actually God's entire motives for saving us. This is not remote from our concern. This is not like, okay, God's interest, now my interest. No, the hallowing of God's name is fundamental to your very salvation. So what is it? What is God's name? That's the first question. God's name, first of all, I'll tell you what it's not. It's not merely the sounds and letters we use when we're referring to God. It's not merely G-O-D. It's not merely the syllables we put together when we say the name Jesus. There is an Orthodox Jew, who is a friend of mine, he's very scrupulous about the way he handles the name of God. In fact, even on social media, Facebook discussions back and forth, he, he, when he refers to God, he spells it this way, G-D. He won't even write out the word God because he's following the tradition of his Jewish ancestors who place a great deal of respect on the name of God. It's said that the the Jewish copyists when they would be writing down scripture would actually take a bath before that they wrote the name of the the, the, the name for God. In fact, the name, the proper name for God, we call it Jehovah or Yahweh. It is so sacred, we don't even know how it was actually pronounced. Because when they copied down the scripture, they left out the vowels of that name so it couldn't be said out loud, and they replaced it with a different word, lest anyone come close to profaning the name of God. That's how holy they treated it. But what I'm saying is that the name of God means more than that. It's not just the syllables, it's not just the, the characters, it's not just the letters, it's more than that. How do I know that? There's a verse in Proverbs that says this, feed me with the food that is needful f- for me, catch this, lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Now what the, what the uh, writer is saying is this, I don't want to be so poor that I'll be tempted to steal and profane the name of God. Now. It's possible, then, to profane the name of God without using words at all. It's possible to profane the name of God by merely doing something. And that's why I say the name of God means more than just the words. It means more than just verbalizing God's name from your mouth. It's more to it than that. What is it, then? Here it is. The name of God is everything that God has revealed about himself. And let me give you some examples from Scripture. So, Proverbs 18.10 says this, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. Now, the righteous man is not running into a set of syllables or a word. What is he running into? What he's doing is he's taking confidence in everything that's true about God. That's the name of the Lord. Here's another scripture, Psalm 52, 11. The, the The psalmist writes this, I will wait for your name for it is good in the presence of the godly. What he's, he's not just waiting for someone to say the name of the Lord. No, what he's doing, he's being patient in the character of God in everything that God has revealed about himself in his word. That's the name of the Lord, everything that's true about God. Here's another one, Psalm 20, verse 8. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but what? We will trust in what? The name of the Lord our God. We're trusting in everything that's true about him. We're trusting in what he's revealed about himself. I'll give two more. We give thanks for your name is near. We recount your wondrous deeds. How can a name be near? How can the name of God be near to us? Here's how. As we recount what you have done. It's everything true about God. As, as you and I are in the lobby, in the hallways here, here at church, and we talk about what God has done for us, as I in the prayer meeting at 8.30 this morning was, was talking with others about what the Lord has done for us, the name of the Lord was near to us because we were recounting the deeds of the Lord. It's more than just his name. It's more than just the words. It's more than just the sound. It's more than just the syllables. Psalm 116.4 Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. And the psalmist calls on the name of the Lord. It's not merely that he's pronouncing the words for the Lord. He's actually calling upon everything that's true about God. It's the name of the Lord. So what is the name of the Lord? What is God's name? What is Jesus referring to when he's telling us to pray this way? Pray that the name of the Lord would be treated as holy, not just the words, not just the syllables, but it's everything that's true about God. And furthermore, the name of God, that is everything that God has revealed about himself, everything that's true about him, is meant to stir up certain responses in us. Again, we're asking the question, what is the name of the Lord? So we can understand what are we praying for when he asked that his name would be hallowed. It's not just the syllables. It's everything that's true about God, and it's meant to stir up certain responses in us. Now, you already know, as we had that little experiment, that when I give you different names, names automatically stir up responses in you. We already know that. And I want to prove that from Scripture, okay, that this happens with the name of the Lord. Listen to these Scriptures. You don't need to turn there, but, but let me read them to you. The name of the Lord should stir in us a sense of awe. This is from Psalm, Psalm 8. O Lord our lord here's what the psalmist is doing how majestic is your name in all the earth what is happening the name of the lord is stirring up in the psalmist a sense of awe what about this one love psalm 55 verse 12 those who love your name exult in you so what does the name of the lord do it stirs up in our heart love what else does it do in psalm 86 verse 11 the psalmist says this unite my heart to fear your name the name of the lord should stir in our hearts a sense of awe and reverence and fear what about this in psalm 92 verse 2 and many other psalms singing he writes this it is good to give thanks to the lord to sing praises to your name the name of the lord stirs in our hearts music singing praise That's what the name of the Lord does. Finally, Psalm 89. Blessed are the people who know the festal shout, who walk, O Lord, in the light of your face, who, here it is, exult in your name all the day. This is what the name of the Lord does for us. It stirs in us certain responses. What kinds of responses? Singing, love, reverence, awe, fear, exultation. That's what the name of the Lord is meant to stir in us. So, what is the name of the Lord? It's everything that's true about him. And it's meant to stir in us certain responses. So the question is, what should our response be to the name of the Lord? So I'm going to transition to the next question. That is, what are we praying for when we pray? We already know what the name of God is, but what are we praying for when we pray that it would be treated as holy? Can you all understand what the name of the Lord means? Okay, We got that? Now we're going to try to figure out what does it mean to, to pray that that would be treated as holy. But before I explain that, I want to transition with a story from the book of Exodus. And telling this story will help you, I believe, understand what it, begin to understand what it means to treat this name, what we just begin to dip our toes into, what it means to treat this name, or to pray that we treat this name as holy. Here it is. Moses is in the wilderness. And God appears to him in a burning bush. And God tells him, I have heard the cries of my people, and I am going to deliver them from Egypt. And Moses, you are going to lead them out. And Moses responds to God speaking in this burning bush and says, Okay, when they ask me, Who told you to do this? What's his name? What name should I give them? And God says, tell them I am has sent you. I am who I am. That's my name. And so Moses says, okay. And you know there's a few more interruptions in that story. But finally, he ends up in Pharaoh's palace. And he stands before Pharaoh and he says, the Lord, I am is demanding that his people be let go. And do you remember Pharaoh's response? Who is the Lord? A casual shrug. Oh, let's see. I know several gods. Isis, Osiris, Ra, the sun god, Yahweh. Who's that? No, not happening. What did Pharaoh just do? He profaned the name of the Lord. Why? He did not treat the name of the Lord as it deserves to be treated. Who is the Lord? Pharaoh carelessly asks. Who is the Lord and brushes the creator of the universe aside with a casual shrug? Who is the Lord among the gods? We have many gods. So which one is actually presumptuous enough to to demand that I let my whole nation of slaves go? Absolutely not. Oh, but Pharaoh, you will know what the name of the Lord is. You will know, Pharaoh, after... An avalanche of gnats and water turned to blood and a frog infestation and flies and dead cows and agonizing boils and hail and locusts and darkness and the death of every firstborn son in Egypt. And finally it would not be till the last dying gasp of his uh, his, his soldiers as the waters of the Red Sea buried his army beneath the chariots beneath beneath the sea that Pharaoh would understand that this God is unlike any God, and his name is exalted above every name, and it, it, is, it is so uh, appropriate that the song that Moses sings after God delivers them through the Red Sea is this Who is like you? And then he uses the name of the Lord Who is like you, O Lord among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome and glorious deeds, doing wonders? Pharaoh profaned the name of the Lord with a casual shrug. And here is the cosmic worldwide tragedy. It is this, that like Pharaoh, most people in the world dismiss the name of God and the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, with a casual shrug. That is the greatest tragedy. Who is the Lord that I should obey him? So now that we're beginning to get a sense of what it means to fail, to uphold God's name as holy, let's seek to answer the question, what are we praying for when we pray that God's name would be honored as holy? Just to make it clear, we are not praying that God's name would be holy. It already is. We are praying that god's name would be treated as it is here's what we're praying for we're praying that the thoughts and feelings and actions that get stirred up in our hearts and minds would be exactly those thoughts and feelings and actions that god's name deserves i'll say that again when we when we're praying That God's name would be hallowed. Hallowed be your name. May your name be honored as holy. We're praying that that the thoughts and feelings and actions and responses that get stirred up in response to the name of God would be exactly what he deserves. We're here to put it a different way. It means to treat God. We're praying that people would treat God exactly the way his character deserves to be treated. Which should be utterly unlike the way we treat anything else. And I'm going to illustrate this from Psalm 103. If you would, you're in Matthew chapter 6. Turn to Psalm 103. In preparing for this sermon, I read through every occurrence of the word name in the Old Testament. And there are a lot of them. But one just stood out to me several did but this this one in particular because there's a very strong link between psalm 103 verse 1 and the first petition in the lord's prayer you see the word holy name there psalm 103 verse 1 bless his holy name and then in the lord's prayer the first petition is this may your name be treated as holy So here in Psalm 103, we get a picture of what it looks like to treat God's name as holy. What does it look like? The psalmist says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his, what? Holy name. Okay, here is what it looks like to... Honor God's name as holy. It means to treat him in a way that you don't treat anything else and that there should be nothing else in your life that stirs up the sort of desire to bless it with all that is within you. There's only one being in the universe that deserves everything you are, and that's God himself. Think about this. We so often try to put different things in in, in place of the Lord We so often replace the Lord with things that that we think will satisfy us. Look at the verses following verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He forgives all your iniquity. No one else can do that. He heals all your diseases. Nobody else can do that. He redeems your life from the pit. No one else can do that. He crowns your life with steadfast love and mercy. Nobody else can do that satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. No one else can do that, only one. Let me ask you to consider something, brothers and sisters. Can your dream house forgive you of all your iniquity? Can a girlfriend or boyfriend heal you of all your diseases? Can long weekends redeem your life from the pit? Will that perfectly chiseled body that you want satisfy you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles? Will anything under the sun remove your transgressions as far as the east is from the west? There is nothing else that can do that for you, so there should be nothing else that evokes in you the kind of response that the psalmist is giving right here, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. And it is the very definition of idolatry when we put a bunch of other things there. When we give other things the response that only God deserves. You cannot be satisfied with anything because you are not the sort of, you and I are not the sort of beings that can be satisfied with anything but God himself. He's put eternity in the heart of man. You and I have in our souls this this gaping hole that only an infinite, perfect God can fill. And so we can say, all that is within me, bless his holy name. And if there's only one being in the universe that deserves everything you are, there's only one being in the universe at the mention of whose name every knee should bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord, the glory of the Father, and that is Jesus Christ, our Savior. So what are we praying for? We're praying that God would be treated as God deserves to be treated. What does that look like? It's to be treated in a way unlike anything else is treated, a way that deserves our all. We're praying for something that every human, including you and I, have failed to do. We have failed to treat God's name as holy. This is what Adam and Eve failed to do in the Garden of Eden when when God put them in a good place and gave them a good command, and yet they did not sanctify the Lord God by obeying, by responding in their hearts and with their actions, the sort of response that that good creator God deserved. They took the fruit. They doubted. They failed to sanctify his name. And this is our fundamental problem, failing to treat God's name as holy. You see, brothers and sisters, what we tend to do, this is just the way our minds work. The first petition here in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 6 is... May your name be honored as holy. That is the foundation of our good and of God's purposes. And yet, what we tend to do in our own fallen thinking, we tend to think that my, my main problem or the main problem in my life is not that God's name isn't being treated as holy, it's that I'm not being treated right. We make ourselves the measure of all things, which is our biggest problem, Our sin. But when we pray that the Lord's name would be treated as holy, yes, we're praying for something that every human has failed to do except one, and that is Jesus Christ our Savior. He never sinned. He is the only one who perfectly glorified God, who perfectly hallowed God's name. And third, what does it mean for us to honor God's name as holy? It seems like if, this is probably already very clear. We've asked the question, what is, it, what is the name of the Lord? It's everything that God has revealed about himself. What are we praying for when we pray that God's name would be treated as holy? We pray that the responses, the thoughts, the actions, the, the feelings that are stirred up in hearts of everybody in the universe would be appropriate to the truth and character of God. What does it look like when that happens for us? I think the best way To show you this is to again tell you a story. This one is from the life of David. David, as a young man, visited his brothers who were part of the Israelite army lined up against the Philistines. And the Philistines had this hero, a champion. They invited the Israelites to uh, choose a man for one on one combat. And Goliath, the Philistine's champion, would come out into the valley and he would curse the name of God and challenge the cowering Israelites to try to defeat him. And David comes and when he hears the name of his God being cursed, something is stirred in his heart. Who is this Philistine that he would defy the armies of the living God? Is our God this small? Is our God this weak? Is our God this irrelevant that we will let this this enemy of God come out and blaspheme his name? It's not that David had great confidence in himself. It's that David had great confidence in the name of his Lord. How do I know that? Because when he ran against the Philistine, he said to him, you come with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in what? I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. You see what was stirred in David's heart? Courage and action. Brothers and sisters, here's what it looks like for us to sanctify as, and as holy, to honor as holy the name of the Lord. It should move us to action for the Lord. It should move us to being appalled and, and distressed when we see his name being defiled. It, it should move us to, to want to act and, and, and go for the Lord. Here's another one. Job had nearly everything taken away from him. His children were killed. His wealth was decimated his health was ruined and he sits down and he takes a broken piece of a clay pot and scrapes his burning skin for relief and his wife no great comforter comes to him and says curse God and die profane the name of the God whom you have served obviously in vain Do you remember Job's response? The Lord has given and the Lord has taken. Blessed be the name of the Lord. There is only one being in the universe who could take away everything you have and still deserve your praise. That is to treat as holy the name of the Lord. It means for us to respond to God in a way that we respond to nothing else because our God is like nothing else and he can satisfy us like nothing else and he deserves our praise like nothing else. Micah four five says this, all the nations may walk in the name of their gods, but we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. Everybody else may be running after their gods, but we will walk in the name of our God forever and ever because only he can satisfy our every need. Only he can save us. And where does this all begin? Where does this begin in the life of an individual? Where does this begin in your life? If you're sitting here and you're thinking, I've never sanctified the name of the Lord. I've never thought about God's name like this. I've come in here and I've realized there are the first time that there is a holy God and I'm accountable to him where does this begin it begins with this with this it begins call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved that is how honoring the name of the Lord begins it's by calling him you're my Savior and you are my Lord and nothing else can save and nothing else can rule me that's what it means to sanctify the Lord God in your hearts And if you're like that this morning, never having called upon the name of the Lord, let me assure you, the promise from God Almighty that whoever whoever, calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It begins by realizing that there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And so we bow at the name of Jesus. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And please forgive us where we have failed to do that so that we can be a people of whom it is true that we give no greater allegiance to anyone but you. You own us. We are yours. You are our Savior and Lord. Father, I pray that if there's anyone in this room who has never called out to you to save them from their sins, that they would do that this morning. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.